Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. What an honor to be here again and to work with your pastor and his wife. You guys are just fabulous. And Debbie and I, and that's Debbie right there, (laughs) always, always enjoy the fellowship we have in this room and in this house. Uh, And we thank you in advance for your giving uh, later on to our ministry. This is how we live, by what God provides to his people. Can I just give you a little update, though? Uh, I know it's been a while since I've been here. Uh, Let me just talk about last year, if if I may, just quickly. Let me tell you that last year we had the joy of praying with a known 10,000 people to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, that would be in our worldwide ministry here in the U.S., of course. And and this is something that excites my soul. And of them, we were able to identify. And I say we were able because I think God always does more than what we know. That's what that's what I believe. Now, some people see something and they say, I think it was much less. I don't. I look at what God does and I say, I, I have never been able to fully comprehend the hand and the working of God. So all I can do is tell you what's been reported to me. But they tell me that over 7,500 of those folks received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Speaking with other tongues. And and many of them, most of them, and as you know, in the countries that we go to, we don't usually preach in areas that are predominantly Christian. But rather, uh, they are either... Most of the time it's, it's Islam. Uh, and then uh, a very heavy percentage may also be those that are tribal worshipers or worship what they would think of as ancestors or, or ancient gods. But most of them will be more than 60, more than 70% Muslim in the areas that we go to. And what a faithful God we have that he knows how to pierce the darkness. Come on, church. Nothing's impossible for him. Nothing's even hard even hard. And so we rejoice in that. And now we've got our focus on this year already. We've seen people saved, healed, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, last week, it's going to happen every week. Will someone say amen to that and agree with me in that way? Because that's how, how these things work. Our, uh, our, uh, we have a reopening of Mexico to us once again for the first time in years. And in just a few weeks, what is it, Debbie, about five weeks now, six weeks, uh, we'll be going to the Yukon uh, Peninsula uh, where we'll be, we are between right now a huge auditorium or a, uh, or a large soccer field that we're going to. We're getting it settled this very weekend, which location we'll be going into and uh, was and met with uh, already over 200 of our AG uh, pastors that are going to be cooperating with the crusade because it's it's not enough to see people get saved. They must be discipled. And that can only be done after I leave town. We may throw out the net and bring them in, but someone's got to clean those fish. Is that right, Pastor? Or work with them thereafter. Although I was thinking while you were talking about Super Bowl weekend here, you do realize that Jesus grilled his fish. Even after the resurrection, this fried stuff, I know, but what can we say? But it is the South, so we've got to fry, don't we? Absolutely. All right, it's legal to smile on a Sunday morning, and I see some of you are already doing that, so that's very nice. I think I can preach now, Ben. Are you ready? <laughs> are you ready for God's word? Yes. You know, I want to talk to you for a while this morning about anointing, and then while we're doing the worship, if any of you care to have it, I'll lay hands on you and believe God for that refreshing oil of God to rise up within your soul. 
But my, my thoughts went to this. I, I remember when we, on our last pastor, which was in Tyler, uh, Texas, when we moved there, it was a church plant. It was, uh, I had pastored two existing, uh, churches that had been around longer than I'd been alive that when you came on in already had all this stuff. They had children's programs, they had women's programs, they had men's programs. When you plant a church, you start with, with essentially nothing. We had, uh, I think we had 30 people that were with us for the first few weeks of that. And my daughter was still in high school at that time. My son was attending at Christ for the Nations, but my daughter Ashley was in her final year of high school. And so as parents, of course, we were, we, you know, you have a certain uh, level of concern for uh, those that uh, are in your family that are going to be without friends because everybody there was basically adults that we had uh, in the service. And so we were looking for something for her that would be a Christian environment, and we found a wonderful, wonderful Christian school that we were able to get her into in the Tyler area. Uh, now, it wasn't a full gospel-based school, but it was a good Christian-based school and they had uh, the morning chapel times and they would have different students that would lead worship in the morning chapel uh, I think they took like what was it Debbie was it a week at a time that each one of them took shifts at something like that and Ashley uh, is an amazing worship leader uh, her and her husband have uh, have traveled the nations and doing that and now they're planning a church in, in Las Vegas but uh, anyhow as it, even as a teen she had such a nice touch of God in her life in that way and she could lead from the uh, basically the guitar. She can play the keys some too, but has a wonderful voice. Uh, and so after about, it was several months into the school year and she had done her shifts. She had taken her time of leading worship uh, and then others that would come on up. Uh, but it, at one point well into the school year, she said she was in class and there came an announcement for her to come to the office. So she had no idea what was going on. And she, when she said, when I went to the office, she said, basically all of the, uh, the heads of the school were right there. Uh, the teachers, of course, would be with the kids, but the others that were in, in top positions, they were all in that room sitting in a circle like, and she was brought into that. And I remember her telling me, she thought, whoa, what in the world is going on and what have I done now that they're all in here uh, to talk with me? And so uh, one of them spoke up after just a, a few moments and said, uh, uh, we uh, uh, we want to talk to you about when you're leading worship. And she said, okay. They said, we appreciate what you're doing. She said, thank you. They said, well, it's, that's not so, uh, so much just a compliment. We want to ask you some questions. And she said, that they said to her, there's something different when you lead worship versus the others. What is that? And she was kind of lost for a moment, and then she finally responded and said, I, well, she says, I think it, it's probably the anointing. And they looked at each other and looked back at her and the one spoke up and they said, well, that's, that's not a, a term that we normally use here. And then they said, but, uh, maybe you got a point there. Um, do you understand what makes the difference in our life? are not our skill sets. It's not all the stuff that the world says. It's not the natural resources we can tap. It's not even necessarily the education that we have or our pedigree from the background. The Apostle Paul was so clear with that. 
But what makes the difference in our life is the anointing of God. For while God will use skill sets, in fact, has, has, has planted them within us, yet even these things fall flat in accomplishing the things that are eternal. It takes, and I'm going to use these words, it takes something beyond us and more than us for that. Uh, you probably are familiar with Tommy Reed out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, Brother Reed who was a man that planted a church up there that became a, one of the mega churches, which is rare up in the Northeast. And, uh, we had, and he's now right at 90 years of age and he's still doing that. He's, uh, he's no longer pastoring that church, but he's doing television work. He's doing events outside. He's writing books. He's written five books in his, uh, early to late 80s, a mighty man of God. And we had just finished a television shoot together not long ago, and we were going to a restaurant afterwards. And I've known Brother Reed since I was a child because I was raised in western New York. Um, I normally don't confess that, especially over the Internet. But uh, but anyhow, I confess my sin and my repentance before you as I have moved to Texas years ago and have become clean. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, we were we were going to uh, we were going to, uh, to dinner afterwards, and again I say he was you know I've known him since I was a teenager. I ministered in his church many times, stayed in his home. Uh, I say all that to say this. He asked me a question. He turned around and looked at me in the back seat, and he said, "Yeah, when you go to a crusade, what are you looking for?" Now he didn't ask that because. He didn't know who was in the back seat or so he only met me. Sometimes when I do events like that or do a television shoot, you, you're meeting people almost for the first time. You meet them in the green room, you go out, you do the, what you're, whatever the thing is you're doing. And then afterwards, I have a thousand questions about you. That's not what was happening. He knew exactly who I was. I knew my parents and all. And he said, but when you go to a crusade, he said, what are you looking for? And my response to him was instantaneous. I, I didn't even have to think about it. I said to my brother Reed, whenever I enter a service, I'm always looking for, uh, more than me. What I'm expecting, what I'm looking for is more than me. Now you can say, oh, that's such a nice humble statement. And, and it could be understood that way, but that wasn't really what I was saying. What I was saying is I learned some time ago that whatever it is that God has put in my life, and I, eva- and I value, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, how can I say, I'm, I'm not someone that, that, that always puts themselves down. It's not that. But what, whatever the gifts that God has put within my life, the ability to reach lost people, and that's one of the strong gifts in our life, the, the anointing for divine healing that he's put in there. We see so many people baptized in the Holy Ghost. Almost almost, almost 100% of the people we pray with that receive the Holy Ghost. Will re- in fact, in many cases, 100% will receive the gift. It did happen last week. In fact, the, the youngest one was, what was it, Debbie? The youngest one was uh, 13, and the oldest one was 83. Wow. Yeah, we were in Chicago, had a similar thing, over 80 people on a Monday night that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the, uh, uh, the, the youngest one was 9, and the oldest one was 93. Wow. Can you say wow? Yeah, isn't that amazing? But anyhow, I look at all of these things, and what I do is I never see them as my limit. I I don't see the call of God in my life. I don't see the gifting of God in my life. I don't see the faith of God in my life. I I, I don't see the anointings of God in my life as my lids. Because here's what I've come to understand. He's bigger. 
Now, we talk about him being bigger than our weaknesses and, and bigger than our failures. And, 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 and I get that. That's really true. That's really true. But let me tell you something else. He's bigger than your best stuff. And he's bigger than the gifts that he's put within your life. So when I step into a room, it's not that, you know, the areas that he's given me grace in and power and faith in, it's not that I don't, I don't expect to see that to happen. I do. But I never look at that as being the lid. I'm always looking for more than me. More than I know, more than what I've ever recognized, uh, more than I've ever experienced. I'm, I'm always looking, come on, for more. Someone say more. More than me. It's, you know, today in our ministry, when it's a healing service, most of the people that get healed get healed as I preach. I've been here, I think many of you not understand that. When when Pastor Doug and I first met, it all happened through the laying on of hands. And we'd lay hands on people for hours afterwards. And I still like to lay hands on people. I'm going to do that at the uh, end of this message today if Jesus doesn't come first. If he comes first, you'll have to find someone else to do it for you. But uh, if you're still here. But... Uh, uh, but uh, there you are, uh, but uh, but what I uh, uh, but what I what I begin to understand in these moments is that when the power of God comes and the and the gift of God is unfolded and the ways of the Lord are being revealed, uh, you should expect extraordinary things, way beyond yourself, way beyond what you ever knew. But back in those days when I laid hands on folks, a lot of times what happened, and we did long meetings. So when I say long, I don't mean I, I preached for four hours. Uh, I do that now, but not then. No, no, I don't do that now. But when I say long meetings, we used to go for weeks and weeks and weeks. We would have a starting date, but we didn't have an ending date. In fact, I think the meeting you and I met in, it went nine weeks. Uh, the pastor told me that we could go a week. and uh, But after that first week, we'd already had some several hundred people that had received Jesus as Lord. And the, and the move of God was happening at such a level, we just continued week after week after week after week, all through that particular summer. And we went nine weeks in, in that crusade. So what would happen is a lot of people that were uh, that were not like a f- first, I'm going to use the word that doesn't mean what it means in today's world, people that weren't first responders. You know, we have people that kind of sit back and watch you for a while before they decide whether they're going to let you pray with them or, or touch them. And so a lot of people would wait for, well, some of them would wait for weeks, really, before they decide they'd get into the uh, the prayer line. But uh, but what they do is they would, some of them were watching for something that would be like what they dealt with. And if they didn't see that, if they had something that was maybe a little more uh, unique, the kind of condition they were dealing with, they'd sit on it. I don't know why, but they'd sit on it for service after service after service after service. And then finally they'd come to me and say, well, we've been thinking about going in the prayer line. But tell me, have you ever, you know, have you ever prayed with someone and they got healed of and then they mentioned what their thing is? As if, as if like if I hadn't had any experience with it and it probably wasn't going to happen, yeah. you know. We haven't done that one before, have you? Well, you know, here's the thing. It's, he's the one that's doing it. All right? So, and I would say to them, you know, the truth is, is whether I've ever even heard of your issue or not will have literally no bearing about whether you will receive today. Everything, all our hope is in him. Come on, all our strength is in him. And and even even the areas where we have strength, he's beyond that. I'm talking about anointing. Anointing, my friend. And I understand anointing. I realize there's many aspects to what anointing is, but I think of anointing primarily as empowerment. That's how I think of it. I know, I know that 
when anointing comes, there is an opening of the eye and the ear. There is, there's an exceptional, can I say, wow, how can I describe it? You can get a real buzz with an anointing. All right, can I just say it that way right there? You want to go into the third heaven? This is a great way to go, let me tell you. Because, and anyone that's ever experienced that knows how we can take us so beyond ourselves that the moment that we experience like that is, is extraordinary and literally is impacting in, in so many ways. Some people get a little disturbed when they see someone else respond to anointing because it makes them uncomfortable. That's because they're not experiencing what that person is experiencing. But then unfortunately there are occasions that we think that that's the only, that's what anointing is entirely about or at least predominantly about. But it isn't. Anointing is about an enablement. It is, it is, it is a touch of God that comes in our life that, that brings us beyond the place that we could have ever been. So uh, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to just give you some things that I know that the anointing does. And and we can go forever on that, but I'm not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow it down. But let me tell you about some things that anointing does in our life. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, in the Word of God, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, Jesus said this. And this was, this was the first public message that Jesus would preach after uh, his, his identification as being the Son of God, where, where, uh, where John said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he'd gone into the time of fasting and prayer in the wilderness, and he comes out now, and he's going to speak there that day in that synagogue, and he will say this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... Someone say, Because... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, he's identifying why. He said, because he has anointed me. There's a lot more to that verse, and I'll deal with only a tiny bit more, but I want you to hear what I, where I'm going on this. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He didn't say he's upon me because I'm the Son of God. He didn't say that. He said he's, he said he's upon me because he has anointed me to Hear these words. He's anointed me too. And I'm not even going to read the rest of it. You're already there. You can see it. And, and most people that deal with that verse deal with now what's going to happen after this. They deal with what I call his mission statement. All right? But, but here's what I want you to understand what Jesus understood about anointing. That anointing was for the purpose of enablement. That's how he's describing it there. He says, I'm anointed too. And he talks about things that will be accomplished. If you will draw on the anointing of God, if you will function within anointing, you will have a power to accomplish what your divine design is. It won't happen any other way aside from that anointing. That is the key element that causes us to have authority, grace, function within our life. You know, when I, uh, especially in the earlier years of my ministry, uh, I would have God, and he still doesn't, but I respond differently. I would have God come to me, and he would say, this is what I want you to do. Now, let me explain to you, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to know just what I'm saying. Uh, he never came to me and told me to do stuff I knew how to do. I've never, I've never, never had God come and say, oh, Dale, this is what I'd like you to do. And I say, I've already got that one. Ah, we got a wrap on that, baby. Let me tell you, I've been working on that. I'm fully prepared for that. He would always come to me and, and tell me to do stuff that I had either no clue how to do or I would, and I would respond to him this way. I, I would say to him stuff like, well, you know, I can't do that. 
Now that I can't do, or, or I don't know how to do that, or I don't have any training in that area, or I don't have the resources to accomplish that kind of thing, or I don't have the skill set, or I don't have the, you know, the financial, ba- whatever. I would, I, I would tell them all the reasons why, you know, I can't. And, uh, uh, and that's because I thought, and please follow my grammar for a moment, uh, I thought he was looking to me to see if he could do what he wanted to do. And I said again, when he would come and speak to me about things that he wanted me to do, I thought he was looking to me. Uh, you know, I, I thought he was thinking, I, I know a guy that knows how to do this. Let me let me call upon him. You know, and so I'm thinking, this is a great idea, God. You know, you just you know you sent the request to the wrong email address. This is you're, surely you didn't mean me. You're not because I I don't I, I'd, I'd be happy to do it, but I don't know how to do that. That's not me. I can't do that. I I thought he was looking to me to see if he could do what he wanted to do. But now I realize that when he says to me, Dale, this is what I want you to do, he's basically just simply saying to me, hey, would you like to go for a ride? <laughs> because that's essentially what it is. And so now when he said, this is what I want you to do, even though sometimes i got to tell you, it's a little unsettling to the human stomach. I'm like, whoa, really? Oh, oh, hey, hey, we're going for a ride, aren't we? All right, let's go. Because what happens when you say yes? You open up that flow of anointing within your life. And then, though you may be a fisherman that knows how to navigate a boat, even on a stormy lake, you'll find out you could actually step over the side and walk on that water with him. Anointing provides an enablement, an enablement to do what your call is and what your purpose is in life. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me too. Uh, here's another thing that anointing does. Now, the one I've already addressed is that it empowers. Here's another one. The anointing heals. In James five fourteen and 15, the question is asked, is there any sick among you? I like that question. I like that question. I, I I long someday to be part of a church that James attended where you actually wondered if there was anyone left that could still be sick. It was a question. Oh, come on. Some of us, I've seen people that question when someone gets healed. You really think they got that? I don't know. What you, I, I like to be part of a church where they actually question whether anybody could be left in the place sick. You know, my mentor who uh, had uh, a strong healing ministry, one of the old voice of healing tent healers, and his services, uh, wow. When I met him, we were in a 17-week-long revival. Uh, and he used to say in those long meetings, so many people would get healed. We'd see so many great miracles. But he would say, now he was actually being facetious at the moment, but he, he would say this. He would say, by the time this crusade is over with, you're either going to be healed or ashamed to say you're sick. <laughs> well, is there any sick among you, James asked the question. Let me go into the thought. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil. Someone say anointing him with oil. Yeah, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. Wow, let's go there, guys. Come on. 
And watch this. And if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Wow. Even sin can't stop you from getting healed. Did you hear that? Come on. Now, of course, it has to do with the one who will receive the forgiveness, the repentant heart. But I know folks that have repented and, and, and asked for forgiveness, and they still think that they can't receive the gifts of God in their life because they think sin's keeping them out. Let's end the sin mentality and develop a righteousness mentality. Let's know that he has made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And there is nothing, listen, I prophetically say to you, there is nothing that can stand between you and the blessing of the Almighty God and his great covenant of blood. You need to be bold in your spirit and and receive that liberty of the Lord. But what is it that makes a difference between someone that gets prayed for and someone that gets healed? Because, you know, in in our uh, circles, we often use that particular phrase. It's not really a a proper grammar because you're not supposed to end your sentence in a preposition. But we'll say, you know, that we want to be prayed for, you know. And what you'll find out is that's where most people are. They just want to be prayed for. They're really not looking to get changed. Now, they say they want that, but it's not what they're expecting. Because I've seen people that when they do get healed are more shocked than anything else. You say, unbelief? No, just shocked. But sometimes they'll actually confess, well, I can't believe that. It really worked. What, 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 what just happened here? Come on, guys. What makes the difference between just someone praying with you and the, a miracle taking place? I'm going to tell you what makes the difference. It's anointing. It's anointing. It's, it's, it's a strong difference. It's a strong difference. When I, even when I lay hands on folks or even when I'm about to minister in the way of healing that's happening in the audience, I'm always looking for something that arises within. I can tell it when it arises within. I can, I can tell the distinctiveness about it. I don't just pray a biblically accurate prayer for folks. I don't, I don't just pray a technical prayer that covers their needs so I get exactly what it is and word it just right and then bring in a couple of supporting scriptures for for all you know as if those things are going to make the decided difference i'm going to tell you sometimes sometimes some of the greatest miracles have happened when i've done nothing else but just say jesus just call upon his name there's power in this the difference between someone The anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. Can I say that? The yoke, I read it, shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Debbie and I have five grandchildren. And it's uh, our delight periodically when we see them to bring them a little something. Especially if I've taken a long trip if I've come in from Africa or something like that I'll always bring them a little something and you see if my son or my daughter either one was to come to me later afterwards maybe come back another time and see them and they say hey remember that that, that little gift that you gave you know and then name whoever one of the grandchildren they said well you know they, they they broke that now the first thing that comes to my mind when they say they broke that is well let me see it because I may be able to fix it but if I was to come back and my daughter or son said, remember the gift that you gave to the grandchild there? He says, well, they've destroyed that. Well, that's kind of the end of the question right there. Because we're, there, we're, not, we're not, nothing's getting fixed on this one. Can I tell you what the anointing does in people's life? It destroys. It destroys. Someone shout destroy. destroy. Oh, yeah, it destroys. 
the yoke of bondage. I tell people so often when healing comes to them that, you know, they'll come and say, well, I had such and such a condition and, and I'm, now the pain is gone. I say, well, no, you must understand he's not in the business of giving painkillers. He's in the business of cures. Yes. If that pain is gone, you need to see beyond that. You need to understand he has eliminated the issue. The woman with the issue of blood, the Bible says that when she touched the hem of her garment, it tells us this. It says that the fountain of her blood dried up. That means he went right to the source. Do you hear that? He didn't give her relief from the symptoms. He went right to the core of what that was and cured her in that way. I've seen the same things with addictions where people are bound and, and they don't they, they don't learn a way to process the urges. There is a cleansing, a deliverance, a, a destroying of the yoke of bondage that comes in in a moment. Like I've watched it happen with cutters. I've seen it happen with all kinds of folks that have dealt with, uh, with eating addictions. He destroys, he destroys the the yoke of bondage. When I was pastor and I was counseling a young lady that was dealing with bulimia and, and, uh, and I'm not a, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a counselor. I can give you common sense. I, I can tell you a few things. If you need long-term counseling, I always had to find someone that could take care of that. I, Christian counselors and always did, always found someone that could work with it. And I was dealing with the one who was, was struggling with this. And I said, no, look, I, and I'd work with this person for a short while and I said if you need help beyond what I'm doing here I have someone that I can I can give you to I said but you need to understand something about them they're going to help you a lot they're going to and they're going to teach you a skill set how to deal with the issues when they rise up so that you can process this properly and handle that but what they're going to tell you and what they're going to teach you is that you are a, a, a lifelong bulimic you may be a recovered one but your identity will always be there. I said, but there is a place at the cross that you can come to where he will destroy that yoke of bondage and you will never see or think of yourself in that way again. And they did go to counseling for many, many months and they were given the skill set to understand. They weren't overly successful with it. But then during a time of great fasting and prayer and breakthrough and a couple of hours under the power of God at the altar there came the divine destruction and this person has told me since I never had the urge again the anointing come on church destroys it empowers it heals the anointing destroys I can feel it right now. Jesus, he's here. It destroys the yoke of bondage. Final thing I'm going to tell you, and I'm not even going to read the passage, it's found in Leviticus 21 and verses 10 through 13. The anointing consecrates. Now there's a word you don't often hear in Walmart. Hey, so what's been going on this week? Oh, wow, we've been consecrating. No, you don't really hear that kind of conversation, do you? So what does it mean to consecrate? Well, there again is a whole study within itself, but can I just say, 
and it may be to simplify it, and it is and it's reasonable in this definition. It means to mark as holy. And that's what's going on within this setting where the oil is applied. And when it's done, it's not done for a skin moisturizer. It's done to make to make a mark and to mark it as one that has been set apart. Mark it as one who has entered into his holiness. I'm going to tell you what anointing does now. I know in our regular anointing services, and we're not really going to try to do that this morning, I have them bring a bucket. And uh, I, I don't do the little dab. I take a, uh, we have a, a, a big pan, or, or generally, of oil, and I'll put my whole hand into it. I don't roll my sleeve way up like this. I'll put my whole hand in there. I've probably done that here, I, w- I would suppose. And, uh, and, uh, and I don't fling it or something like that, but uh, uh, I know some guys that like to fling it, you know, and they're, they're a little more flamboyant than I am. But anyhow, I put my hand in there, and then I, I'll put my whole hand like that right up on your forehead. And when I get through, there's, it's there. No one's going to have to question, did you get prayed? Oh, yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah, look right over it. In fact, it may, if you don't watch out, it may run right down into your eyes. So we often have a tissue we can give the folks on that. But, but, but there's, it definitely produces a mark. Now, once in a while, I'll have a, a pastor that wants to get involved with me and he'll say, can I, you know, let, let me, let, let me pray with you, you know, and so he'll get it on there and then he'll, he'll, he'll lay hands on me like this and then he'll then he'll say man it was just so good to have you here today and that's the end of that jacket right there you know it's been marked i can tell you right now uh yeah yeah in fact i i went through it and i went through i've gone through weeks where i just throw away a shirt at the end of every meeting because someone decided they needed to rub me down after the uh after the prayer can we pray for you too let me try what you're doing you know and there you go but the mark is there now, sometimes you can wash that shirt and get that mark out. <laughs> You'll definitely wipe your face and get it off. But I'm going to tell you that I believe that there's nothing that we do in this world, in the natural, in cooperation with what he has commanded us to do that is purely symbolic. We say that anointing, when we anoint with oil, well, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's a symbol. And it is a symbol, but it's not entirely a symbol. I think that when, I think that when I put oil upon people, there's someone else putting oil on them. I may put my hand on your forehead, but there's someone else that's marking you too. With his oil. And I don't mean that metaphorically. I believe that in reality. I think that when I lay hands on the sick and they get healed, I think there's another hand there. And again, I don't mean that symbolically. I always say, well, we're laying hands on people, that's, that's symbolic. Well, there, there, that part maybe is. But there's something else going on. There's another hand there. Trust me. I'm aware of his. It comes. I think it even happens in the waters of baptism. We say, well, that's symbolic. Well, it is, but it's more than symbolic. I think there's someone that joins us in those waters. And I believe there's something that's supernatural that happens in those moments. I'm telling you what anointing does. It consecrates. It marks you as holy. And while I believe that when I anoint people, they'll take a little towel or whatever and wipe that off their head, I think, there's a, I think that there's a mark that's put on them in the spirit that isn't wiped off. 
by the tissues that are sitting on this on the seat. And I and I just like when I anoint people, I think there's enough there that someone could see it when they walk back down the aisle. I think that there, I think when we carry the anointing mark of God, that there are those that see that too. Uh, some of this world, but you understand, there's way more in this room than humans. Really, there's way more in this room than his flesh. And I think that even when we walk into the places where darkness abounds and there are those that are there, I think when we walk into that hospital room and there's afflicting spirits that have been causing the disease and the pain and the suffering, I think, I really believe this, I think the moment we step through the door, they look right over there, they see that mark. And they look at one another and they say, trouble just came in. I also think that the attending angels, because I do believe we have them, and some of them have been bench sitters because we've never done anything that made them have an opportunity to get involved in the game. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I think that when we step in the room... They're present too, and they look up and say, did you see what just came in? Game's on. Things are going to change. The anointing, what does it do? Well, it empowers, that's for sure. It, it heals, I know that. It destroys the yoke of bondage. And it also marks you, consecrates you. Hmm. Would you stand with me all over the house right now? Can someone just lift your hands with me for a moment and let's worship him? Can you do that? There's much more to anointing, O Lord, as you know more than us, than what I've been able to describe today, and much more even within your scripture but here's what we absolutely do know that anointing arises because of you you who indwells us your presence your spirit just as you told us in the very beginning you said the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me too so you told us later on even as the father has sent me so send i you you sent us forth but not weak and not without empowerment. You have sent us forth with your spirit, with your in your presence, and with your empowerment. And I'm gonna I pray that upon this house right now. I pray that for those who need anointing for healing in their body. And I'm gonna pray that real strong for those that need an empowerment to be successful in life. Because I understand, oh Lord, that your anointing doesn't just give people the power to preach or to lead worship but it gives them power in business it gives them power in creative ideas hmm. I think of Bezalel of old that you identified to Moses and told him as he was going to prepare the tabernacle and they were going to build the parts of it and he said that, that that the spirit of the Lord was upon Bezalel 
because he had an anointing in metal work. Oh God, would you show us an anointing in our business? Help us to understand that the teachers that are among us when teaching in this secular society should teach with an anointing of God. There should be an empowerment of God to excel above the other educators, to excel above the other business people. Oh God, give us an understanding and vision that your empowerment in life touches every area, not just church stuff. But of course, this place which is holy and this place where we come in your name to hear you and to experience you and to meet with you. May the glory of that presence the anointing of him who is all and in all, forever and always, always, always spring forth here. Come on, someone needs to be amening that. May it always spring forth here. May we never just become a routine religious group, but may we carry an extraordinary function of God within us that goes way beyond us. I pray that in this powerful, wonderful name, Lord Jesus Christ wonderful name of Jesus. You know, Debbie and I are going to be right here in the front. We're going to be doing some worship for the next little bit. I understand that it's customary for you to even have times of prayer right about now. So I'm going to join you in that prayer time. And as we're worshiping, if there's something in particular you would like me to believe God with you for, I would like to do that. I'd be glad to lay my hands on you if you need healing or if you need bondage to be broken in your life or just say, Dale, I just need to be more successful. I I need to have empowerment my life where I want to have that mark of consecration. Whatever it is, if you care for us to pray with you, Debbie, would you come and stand right there? We're going to lay hands on you and believe God. Then you can work, continue to worship as you do. All right? Praise God. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Are you grateful for the anointing? Yes, sir. Let me say that again. Are you grateful for the anointing? Yes, sir. That healing, liberating, saving, yes. consecrating, destroying I like that word in the I have to tag on to that in the Greek ekbalo to utterly throw down and grind to powder and you'll notice the Old Testament prophets what would they do they would take something grind it to powder put it in the water and make them drink it and what did it tell them this has become so tiny that it could be passed through you and into the waste it counts for nothing boy I love that Well, I could preach on, but I won't. But I'm going to be grateful today and thankful for the anointing. It's the anointing. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me too. How many of you just got something stirred up in your spirit? Say, where are you pointing me to? Where are you going to get me into? What are you going to get Vision Church into? If we sit around, otherwise we'll be waiting. We'll wait till more people, wait till those people, these talents, these gifts... But how many, if you wait on the Lord, you'll renew your strength. Mount up with wings as eagles. And you run and not be weary. Walk, not faint. Love it. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of Dale. Thank you for the gift of Vision Church and what you're going to do with your anointing. Amen? So as everyone stands to your feet, we'll dismiss this way. Lord, I just pray a release of your anointing, a release of faith, a release of compliance, a release of return, a release of focusing on you, a a release of waiting upon you, Lord, that we can step out with you and go for a ride. Lord, if you're driving, we're interested in riding, and we're ready to go. We're ready to go into 2022 and see what the anointing will do.
We say that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. May His grace and His peace, sounds like anointing to me, be with you today and this week. The Lord bless you as you go.